There was at one point when I first moved back here, I was like, why the fuck did I move to Dubai? To be surrounded by all these families whom I love with all my heart, don't get me wrong. But at some point I was like, I don't want to be here. It's an internal struggle. It's not a struggle with your friend who had a baby. Because my struggle is with me not thinking I'm important enough to be important in your life. That is nuts. And see, thank you for saying that. I am not going to have grace about this because I want you to know, you and every other friend who's in the same circumstance, that I love the shit out of you. And the only reason I'm upset is because I'm jealous that you get to spend time with other people and they're not me. This is exactly the conflict or, or the friction that we need to have. is Marilyn. Hi everyone, this is Rhea. And you're listening to Who Run the World. And we're two best friends come to talk to each other and other amazing women about what it's like to be a woman in the world today. And today, Rhea, we're going to be talking about what is, for many women, a typical life experience. Which is? The fact that you become the friend that no one remembers after you've had a child. Who are you? Exactly. What are we doing here? Waiting for my child to wake up. As per usual. Wow, I did not mean that. <laughs> you little piece I of shit. I did not shit. mean that. <laughs> All right, Razy, today we're going to be talking about what happens to women who have kids in a group of friends that may not have kids themselves. And we're going to talk about my new motto in life, which is 82% grace. Bada boom, bada bing. Now, why are we talking about this? I had a child. You had a child. That's the number one reason. At the tender age of 36. So you had a child. I don't have a child. You are a child. On most days, I am a <laughs> child. But on days where I'm a grown-up, uh-huh. which is every other Saturday and or Tuesday so. and Wednesday. That's right. Um, <laughs> you have an STW schedule. Motherhood has not killed any brain cells in your brain. <laughs> no, I do not have You've mommy You've kept it all, all through and through. <laughs> Teasing continues, sharp as a whip. <laughs> Voila. 82% grace, 100% sting. <laughs> All right, moving on. So you had a child. I don't have a child. Actually, this last week, three people asked me. What did they ask? Do you miss Marilyn? Which the answer to that is always yes. I was like, no, I saw her yesterday. <laughs> I was like, you were in Saudi. I was like, she's in Saudi. She's coming back tomorrow. It's fine. Second of all, another friend asked me, do you feel like you're not as close as before? Another friend asked me, have things changed? So the answer to that is no, no, yes. Right. So you were, you're saying things have changed, but you don't miss me? No. Oh, my God. Do you want me to miss you? You want me to leave? No. Okay. Wow, that was emotional. I'm very proud of you. En uh, parallèle, <laughs> <laughs> we're at the stage of our lives. So I'm in my beginning of my 30s. You're to your mid to late 30s. More and more. Thank you for the reminder. <laughs> you're an old fart. This is the first time Rhea tells me this, by the way. Yes. She is also guilty of uh, treating me the way society treats mothers, but that's cool. En parallèle, so we have a lot of single friends, engaged friends, married friends with babies. I have to uh, say, I don't have a lot of married friends with babies. I have so many married friends with You baby. do, but I don't. I have like Tala and Marie in Dubai, I mean. And now, Amira. This is it. A lot of the conversations that have been happening around this on both sides, whether you're 
with child or sans child. And it's cool that we're both on either end of that spectrum so we can speak to both. There's been a lot of conversation about people saying like, oh, they had a kid and I don't see them anymore and they've changed and it's all about the Let kid. Let me tell you Let right me finish. Now. I'm sorry to trigger you. And on the other side, you have, I don't get included. People have changed towards me. It's as if people have completely forgotten me since I've had a kid. And what we are doing here today is a face-off. We're not in a face-off. Fine. It's not... <laughs> It's a face-off for me. You represent everybody who's pissing me off right now. Wow. Because having a child is unlike any other form of change. It's all-encompassing of every fucking available minute that you have, which other changes are not. True. First thing, yes, it's very specific to becoming a mom. Could I just say that Marilyn is riled up. She is sitting across from me. She got her fingers on her temples and she's ready to go. Okay, Marilyn, since you're the one who went through the big change... Tell us your experience. Lashtwa. Lashtwa. First of all, let me caveat this for my daughter when she listens to this in 20 years. There is nothing more joyful than having Gabby in my life. This isn't what we're talking about today. Like whatever anger and negativity you're going to hear in my voice today has zero link to having Gabby in my life. The consequence of having Gabby in my life is a couple of things. I have both more and less predictability in my schedule. What does that mean? It means that I am a lot less available than I used to be. I'm a breastfeeding mom. And that means that I will spend about at least eight to 10 hours of my day with a sole focus on my child to feed her, to play with her, to bathe her, to put her to bed and to be around her when she's sleeping and to care for her. The predictability comes from the fact that children thrive from rituals and routines. And so every day at 5.30, we are bathing Gabby and then feeding her and then putting her to sleep. And more or less every day she'll wake up at around the same time and so on. The lack of predictability comes from there might be a day where she decides to throw herself off schedule because whatever. She's growing, she's teething, she's having a shit day, she's excited to see us. As a consequence of that, I have less time and whatever time I do have is harder to manage in the same way that I would have managed when I was single. Because it's not always my time, even when it's my time. And you don't have a crystal ball to know what Gabby is going to be like next week or the no. week after. So there was a time where you and I, for example, were leaving to meet a friend. And we had done everything and put her to sleep and waited 30 minutes and done all of that. We got in the car. We drove 100 meters down the street. And Gabby woke up in a fury. And I had to come home to put her back to bed. And therefore, we were 45 minutes late. Or even today, when she just started crying. Randomly. And you just didn't know why. And you just had to soothe her. Maria, who takes care of her, tried. My mother tried. And they couldn't. So God knows I'm really good at delegating. Like, I am not a helicopter mom. Everything I need to do needs to be planned. And if somebody wants to come visit us and see Gabby, they have to come before 5 p.m. And if someone wants to visit us and see me, they have to come after 7. But ideally, around that time, because sometimes Gabby will wake up again at 9.30, which gives me a very small window of opportunity. What consequence has this had? The consequence of that is that people don't include you in their plans in the way that they might have done a year ago. Tell me more. They assume that you're not available. The truth is, you can be available. You just need to plan it. At least a day or two, because there's me and my husband and Maria. All of us can't be on duty every night. And so if you tell me ahead of time, two to three days, are you available on that day? I'd love for us to go and have dinner. Then I will make it happen. I'll tell Hadi. 
Or if Hadi's not available and Maria has to take care of her, who already, God bless her, takes care of her all day. So I'm asking her for like an extended shift, which goes against how I see this. She should be resting when I'm not and vice versa. Then I just want to be able to plan it. And I want to be able to plan that I don't ask my husband or Maria to take care of Gabby three nights in a row. Because that just wouldn't be fair to anybody. And what's also nice is that you and Hadi alternate. So sometimes he also wants to go out and then you take the shift. So it's a very balanced partnership. So what is the consequences then? Or how does it make you feel? Left out. You know, I've heard a lot of mommies say this before. Especially when they happen to be like me in an environment where not a lot of their friends have kids. Because if a lot of your friends have kids, every weekend there's a birthday, there's a party, we're doing Halloween. Like there's a lot of milestoning and celebrations. And so you're included in those. But if you don't, like me, I've heard a lot of mommies say it, but now I didn't think I'd experience it. I was like, oh, that's a you problem. But here I am. Um, It's really frustrating because the thing that happens when you have a child is de facto there's a a shifting of your central identity. It's not even an add-on. See, and that's why I was saying like, it's not the same as, oh, I have this new thing that I'm dealing with. Centrally, you become a mother. And already that's hard enough to deal with because you're dealing with not being who you were anymore. It's not negative. It's just a change. And it takes a minute. You recalculate all of your priorities. We'll talk about 82% grace, but you behave differently than you would have in the past. You have to cope with it. To, on top of it, start to feel like one of your core identities which is your social self, is also, there's a little bit of a pause button there. It's really hard because you're like, what do I do? I work and then I have another shift taking care of a child. No matter how much I love Gabby, 12 hours can't be all joyful, especially at this age. And so you kind of see yourself being reduced to roles where you are a caregiver at work and at home. Just to clarify, is this also how you feel people are perceiving you and you feel their attitude has changed to you because of this? Let me ask you that question. I can't speak on behalf of others, but you can. You're external. Um, I know that your time is not as flexible as mine. Mm-hmm. I don't think, oh, Marilyn, she's a caregiver. Do you feel like I'm less available as a friend? Yes, for sure. Huh. But that's Perfect. normal. I mean, the fact that it's normal doesn't mean you don't feel it. I also know right now, this is how your life is. Are you less likely to call me up to do something together than you were a year ago? I would do it, but I would do it in advance. My spontaneous calling you and saying like, yo, let's go to blah, blah, bar tonight. I assume also that telling you last minute, and I've also heard you say this, telling you last minute is not helpful for neither your schedule nor Gabby's schedule. Thank you for that. Here's the point I'm going to make. It's a point in probability. Tell me more about that. If the probability of you throwing a coin and you getting heads is half and you throw the coin once, the overall chances that you're going to get heads is half. And it's not going to change. But the number of times that you get heads will increase with the number of times that you throw the coin. I understand. While I am likely to say no often for somebody who calls me at the last minute because of my predictable unpredictability, what is certain is that if the consequence of that is that I get asked or invited or thought of or included less often, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. I understand. And then outside of the like, oh, at 6 p.m. I decided I want to do something. Most of us at this age, we're not in college anymore. We know a day or two ahead, most of our plans. So for 90% of outings, it's not a last minute thing. 
It's just people assume that you're going to say no, so they don't ask. Fair, and you're not included. Exactly. You went out last night. Yes. With a friend of mine. Yes. I wasn't even asked to join. Mm. It's not that I was asked and I said no. Then I wouldn't be upset. By either of you, I'm not mad. Yeah. But I know why it's happening, but it's unfair. Because what? where was I last night? At home. Doing what? Nothing. Who's here this week? Your mom. So she could have taken care of Gabby. But I wasn't asked. Totally fair. This is the thing that I was telling you about, like we were talking about this over the last few weeks, is like it's really fascinating to watch. Mm. And part of it, you start to think, you're like, why wouldn't they ask? Maybe they don't want to be around a mom talking about mommy things. Maybe they just want to have a singles night. Talk about boys. And maybe I can't be part of that. But it's just, I think people see that you have something now. You have, a, you have a family that's like bigger than just you and your spouse. Maybe you don't need anything else anymore, is their assumption. You made it, is potentially how some people see this. You made you it. You mean single people? Well, people who would want a family. Not all single people yeah. do. Yeah, like, okay, she has it. She has a company. She has a child. She has a spouse. Maybe that's enough for her. Because it would be enough for me. And no, it's not enough. Because as a mom... You still want your identity to be full. Even if you cannot be those things as often as you would have, right? I can't be the fun single friend as often as I would have in the past. I can't be the errand runner as often as I would have liked to in the past. Like there's a lot of things I can't do, but I don't want them to disappear just because I can do them less often. I have a lot of follow-up questions and thoughts and it. things. A general thought to go off of what you said, the second someone creates a family automatically you think, oh, that is more important than anything else. Although Q and I both profess the importance of friendships. friendships. Yes. I think it's something that you're conditioned. It's ingrained in us, I mean, especially coming from an Oriental culture. 100%. And therefore, when that happens, I can tell you what happens in my mind. I automatically think that your life is more important than mine. Yeah. Of course, Hadia and Gabby, that's what she's doing now. And this is where the, the kicker comes, that Marilyn does not want to do anything else but that. Mm -hmm. And she cannot do anything else but that, not just in terms of time, but in terms of desire. I make a big effort to say, like, that is not true. She is still Marilyn. As your friends, it's our jobs to be the keeper of you as a human in all of your dimensions. I guess sometimes people, unfortunately, خلاص, you have a baby, you're Marilyn the mom. No matter what you do, in life, you have a company, you like to throw darts, you like to like <laughs> do Pilates, you like to draw. Until the baby is X years old. A teenager and yes, hates me. And is off to college. <laughs> they're like, you are Marilyn the mom. And even when the baby is off to college, maybe it's like, Ante, what is she doing? You know what I mean? I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying... Oh, no, there is no right and wrong. Yes. And I'm pretty sure that I would have been on the flip side of this myself in many circumstances. I'm thinking now and I'm like, do I have any mommy friends that I wasn't there for in this way? And I'm sure that, that I have. Like, uh, there's no holier-than-thou attitude here. You know, you and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago and we thought we wanted to make an episode about this because... Here's another thing is like, moms don't say shit. And this actually brings me to my 82% grace, which is, we're so fucking tired, honestly. Like, what are we going to pick another fight? You know what I mean? Like, what am I going to go to you and be like, you're being a shit friend? We don't have time for that. It's true. We don't. We're like, oh my God, I'm so exhausted. I can't believe I have to deal with this. And we kind of shy away. We shy away from a lot of things. And we're trying to be graceful 
as parents, as partners, as friends, like we're really trying not to drop the ball on anything. But what I discovered about myself in being reborn a mother is that trying to have 100% grace just isn't going to work for me anymore. I can't. I mentally don't have the capacity for that. But also, it's not good for me. So what is 100% grace? 100% grace is trying to be, you know, compassionate and patient and loving in every interaction, be it with a best friend or a stranger, by the way. For the first time in my life, I was assertive with a waiter, which I usually am not. Which usually I'm like, yeah, haram, these people, they have to deal with a thousand human beings. Like, let me be the sunshine in their life. That's usually my 100% grace. That day, this guy rubbed me off the wrong way, was trying to be a dick to me. And I was like, mm, no, I will not stand for this. And I learned to become that after becoming a mother, because if I don't do that, so many things pass you by. So many experiences, so many relationships get, you know, we spoke about this last week on our friendship episode. Friendships, they need friction sometimes. Like people need to know you give a shit. You know, like if I get upset because uh, you guys went out to dinner without me, it's because I love both of you. It's not because I'm angry. It's because like, I wish I was there. I love you. I want to be there. So I'm going to show you that I love you. I'm going to show you that I'm not like chill about it, that I don't not give a fuck because now I have a child. So for me, the 82% grace is also show people you love them. It's not like, oh, be bigger than that. No, no, no. I am not bigger than this. Not because I'm angry at you, but because I love you. I want to be around you. And I know that it's hard being around me these days. Like the probability is smaller than it used to be. But I want to be there. And I don't want to see our friendship. I mean, ours, not yours and mine, but any friendship that I have, take a back seat. And it's really interesting because the same person that you went out with, and, and I'm fine putting this online because I'm going to tell her, is also the most accommodating. Like she's the one who knows my schedule. She knows when she can come. She plans for it and then tells me I'm coming. Like it's not the friend who has disappeared. It's just for me to say like 82% grace is about not waiting too long to tell people that you care about that they did something that made them feel like they didn't think you cared about them as much. And you said it. Like you think that my family is now more important than you. And it isn't. Our friendship still matters to me. And so that's kind of the complexity of this. It's not a one-sided thing, for sure. And maybe I am definitely not as good at following up, asking how people are feeling, remembering what they told me they were doing last week so I can ask them again. Like, I am definitely a shitter friend than I used to. I know. But it's about making sure you bring the friction in because that's what will allow you to not wait two years until you rekindle your friendship with someone. I would also like to take this concept of 82% grace. 82% grace has many meanings. So there's the one which we had never talked about how 82% grace also means how much you love other people and how much you want that friction. So I think that's beautiful. But it also means, to go back to that time piece, there's a lot of grace that you also need to give to your child because she is at a stage of her life now where she needs a lot from you. And you're her food supply, you are her caregiver, you are putting this roof over her, her head. You need to be patient with her. She cannot communicate. She can't tell you, mom, I'm hungry. I want to eat now. All the patience that you would normally have had for that waiter yeah. <laughs> now is for your it's daughter. given to my child. That's very true. Even versus my husband. I said this to him. I know that you're not getting the best version of me, but that's because if I do have an ounce of patience left, Gabby gets the first dibs, you know? 82% grace can mean so many different it's true, things. Yeah. So many different and things. And I use it also to forgive myself when I've done something that's less than, you know, and I'm like, it's all right. We're at 82% it's grace. It's not perfect, you know. It's like you're going to a meeting and you're like getting your shit together and it's like, okay, this is not, maybe I didn't do that extra thing that would have gotten to 100, but it's good enough. 82%. 82% grace. 82 grace. <laughs> 
when it comes to people's reactions towards you, and what then would you need from other people? For your 82% grace, are you asking that your friends be 118? Did I do the math right? Good job, Razy. What the hell? Freaky Friday. Maybe. It can certainly seem like I'm asking my friends to do the extra mile. Possibly. Because I'm asking them to both be understanding, a little bit accommodating, and a lot resilient in our friendship. What do I mean by this? And by the way, I want to say that when I was at 100% grace, I used to do that for my friends all the time. In the sense that I never get upset if someone is busy for a few weeks or a few months. Never. You're an hour late, adi no problem. And I know that not everybody's like that. I mean, I hope you can confirm that I'm the kind of friend who's like, chill, you want to come? You don't want to come? Ma bizal. I don't get upset at anybody because I understand that, you know, like your priorities shift every day. Even if today's priority is, you want to go on a, like, a date for this 10th time this week with your boyfriend. I'm very secure in my position with friends. I'm asking for that in return. And that also means I never used to give up on people. Everybody knows, and please call me if you disagree, that if, if I consider you a close friend, you will hear from me often. I can confirm. Right? Like, I will show up at least, you know, once a week or every other week or something. There's a rhythm, but I will show up and I will ask about you and I will be there. And I will make damn sure you know that no matter what it is that you're experiencing right now, I'm around. You know, so all I'm asking for, I don't know if it's 118 or 100. I know that I'm going to say no a few times. You know that too. Let that not be the reason that you think that it means that I don't prioritize you. The key here is not to say no on your behalf. That's it. Just give me that. That makes a lot of sense. From my perspective, as a friend who has a lot of friends now having children and has had friends who had children, I think I've, I've evolved in this. Your life changed. It would be very insensitive for your friends to not accommodate or to not be aware of this. And I think the extra piece that's missing and that I've learned through the years is that this new change in your life doesn't mean that I've lost a friend. Mm-hmm. I've hear, I hear it all the time from my single friends. Oh, I mean, people are asking you constantly if you and I are still friends. Which is, for me, ridiculous. You know, I see this like um, with friends who have slightly older kids. Is that it's really hard to come back from that. This is part of what upsets me too. Like, I see it. I perfectly understand that this is the case while I have a newborn. But in about a year, it's not going to be a thing anymore and she can be more independent and I will no longer be breastfeeding and, 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 and. The problem is, even when that changes for me, the friendships have gotten to a place where the assumption remains and it's so hard to walk back from that. Mm. So I'm here sitting being like, no, 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 no. I will not be the mother of a three-year-old who all her single friends, that she's lost touch with them because of that. I don't want to let it slip, I guess, is what I'm saying. So here I am making a statement. It's funny how we have very diametrically opposed situations in the sense where most of your friends are single and then most of my <laughs> friends are married, right? <laughs> That's true. And I'll be very candid. There was at one point over the summer, when I first moved back here, I was like, why the fuck did I move to Dubai? Because so I was like, why mm. the hell did I move here to be surrounded by all these families whom I love with all my heart, don't get me wrong, and I will come and meet you and accommodate, but I also will make an effort to propose to do other things beyond me coming to your house. But at some point I was like, I don't want to be here. It's not that I feel like I need to get married tomorrow. I don't know if I'm going to have kids or not. I don't know all this stuff. And this is where I think people slip up. 
it's an internal struggle. It's not a struggle with your friend who had a baby. Because my struggle is with me not thinking I'm important enough to be important in your life. Wow. That is nuts. And see, thank you for saying that. It's interesting. It was my instinct, but I was saying it the other way around in the sense that I am not going to have grace about this because I want you to know, you and every other friend who's in the same circumstance, that I love the shit out of you and that I care about you. And the only reason I'm upset is because I'm jealous that you get to spend time with other people and they're not me. I'm not upset that you didn't include me. See, like it's the opposite. Yes. And so thank you for saying that. Because this is exactly the conflict or, or the friction that we need to have so that I can express my love and that you can say, I didn't know. A hundred percent. Wow. When change happens in other people's lives, yeah, whether it's having a baby, moving, promotion, anything, we have this narcissistic feeling where we automatically You're look nice. internally and you compare. But then, thank you, therapy. <laughs> you need to take a step back. You need to take a breath. And I remember I told, I told this to my friend because he also was at some point, he was like, I went to this dinner and it was all these couples. And I was like, you know what? Diversify your friend group. That's the answer. Because that's what I realized. It's like, okay, yes, and I love my friends who have kids and stuff. Like, I would like to also be around people at my st stage of my life. Just like sometimes you're going to want to go be with other families because I can say something and they can understand it right away. That does not mean that you forget your other friends. That is something that I, I learned through time. And I'm sure there's friends who have kids who are going to hear this be like, yo, but I haven't seen you in two years. I'm sorry that I didn't have the emotional maturity at the time to process, to this, process this. And then something that you also said before you had Gabby, which stuck with me. And I, I realized I was doing it unconsciously, but now I try to do it consciously is you said that you are the keeper of me. Mm -hmm. And that you said that during our labor to labor episode, I think. And I was like, oh, I get it. I don't know much about babies. I don't know anything about motherhood. Yes, I can listen. Yes, I will ask questions. Uh, I'm not married. I haven't been in a long-term relationship. I don't have my own company. Like there's so many things that you're going through that I'm just like, haven't done it. We'll explore it with you. But what I do know is you. Mm -hmm. And... I make it an effort not to always ask you about the baby, not ask you about the baby. I try to make be as round as possible. Which, by the way, if it was anything but a baby, nobody would be making such a big deal out of it. AKA, before you used to ask me about my job and my this and my that, and we used to talk about all of them. What I'm reading, what I'm watching, what happened at work, this thing with a client, oh my God, Hadi, this trip we took. We've always had rounded conversations, but it's like throw a baby in there and suddenly, you know. And the other day we went out with old friends and we were there for like, what, four hours, three hours. I don't remember how long. Did we mention Gabby for anything other than the first three minutes? Because 82% grace is also, I don't want to fucking only be a mother all the time. Yeah. I want to be me. I want to be able to go out with friends and kick back and have a drink and talk about whatever. And for three hours, I felt that the other day. I also accept that no matter how much I love my role as a mother, there are days where I need a break from it. And that's why I'm very thankful about our friendship is because we've spoken about this. But I wanted to do this episode for those friends of mine and the friends of other women who have babies to hear this. Because, see, this is another one of those like uh, things my mother didn't tell me, but my best friend did in a way, which is like this, this stings. 
you know it sucks and it sucks for both of us i was gonna say if you look at it from the other way let's say i gave into that feeling right let's say when i first moved here i was like fuck all of you guys fuck whatever years of friendship that we have fuck and no sisters and all this stuff fuck that i am going to have the diametrically opposed reaction and make a bunch of new single friends and live my life and then i'll see you when i see you imagine yeah but you see actually you could do a fuck everything you could also make the opposite mistake and we talked about this in the context of the podcast so we hadn't recorded episodes for a while and you know as we joked on our friendship episode and our 100th episode is like we have a team of you Rhea's doing most of the work in the podcast all i have to do is show up for a couple hours truthfully of course brainstorm things whatever but in in terms of like time spent actively on something and yet even though that's all you're asking me to do theoretically or all i need to do we hadn't managed to do it for weeks and at some point i'm like Like, why is this happening? And it turned out that you were being accommodating. You were thinking on my behalf that Margarine is tired. Oh my God, she's had a rough day. It's a big moment for her company. She has the conference, this and this and that. And then she has Gabby. So I'm not going to come and like add another thing on her list. This is what happened when you accommodate. Accommodate, accommodate, accommodate. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, who run the world is my thing. And I'm asking of Marilyn. As if. As if like I'm asking her to be a guest on the podcast to come. And then I also made a couple of decisions without Marilyn, but it snowballed. Self-fulfilling prophecy. And what did I tell you? I said, I don't need you to empathize me into failure. Exactly. I don't need your empathy if the consequence of empathy is I fail. What you need is compassion. And compassion sometimes means accountability. 100%. And this is accountability to who run the world, but in a friendship, it's also accountability to our friendship. For you to say like, or anybody, again, like the friend of a mother, to be like, I am holding you accountable as my friend to take two hours for this friendship. And I deserve it, and our friendship deserves it. And I will say, for, for friends of people who just had a baby, it's okay to, for you, as a single person, to ask for quality time for your friend. Two weeks ago, I had the day off. I'm like, Marilyn, you want to take the day off? Let's go paint. And I did. On the flip side of things, you're a very also particular case, like not all mothers don't only talk about their kids if you're a mom who doesn't doesn't shut up about your kids shut up about your kids there are people like whether we like or not it becomes all about the kids and i think on that side and this is i'm not saying that you're doing this but i'm saying on that side it's also unfair to the other side where you're just like okay i'm supportive but like you also need to ask me my point shut the fuck up about your kids and be your full self for a minute exactly these different stages that we all go through I know it's our, our, our reaction is to um, either we're fully there, fully accommodating, or we're nothing, and there's nothing in the middle. And I think that is so detrimental to, to you, you because all of a sudden you're losing these people in your lives. So I guess my next question for you, if someone's listening to this, and they're your friend, what would you like them to do? Or how would you like them to be towards you? And what do you promise in return to be with them? I want them to be mindful of how they continue to include me in their lives because the burden's on them, truthfully. And look, you would do this for any other reason. If someone's going through a hard period at work, you take on the burden as their friend of being their friend. So the burden's on them for sure. Like, I can't deny this. I am not as good a friend as I was six months ago. So yes, you will have to shoulder some of that yourself as my friend. What do I mean by mindful? Create a pocket for me. I have no illusion that I'm not going to be able to see any of my friends, including you, Ray. I don't see you as often as I used to. So that's fine. 
And I know that my friends will see each other without me because they're going through a life that I can't be a part of. So I'm cool with that too. I don't get upset. The one thing I'm asking is, first of all, please know I love you. I'm your friend. I want to be your friend. In order for us to continue building momentum into our friendships, you may have to build a pocket for me. That pocket can be that every third Saturday or whatever it is, you know, or every third Thursday night, doesn't matter, you will plan for us to be together. I may say, can't go to the Palm. Can we be a bit closer to home? I may say, this is the time. I'm available from 7 to 10. I may say a lot of things. Plan that pocket for me. If you plan that pocket, then I'll know. And you'll know that we matter to each other and that each of us is going to carve out that space for each other. And not just so you can come see Gabby, by the way. Like a lot of my friends will do this, bless them. They'll be like, okay, we'll come at four to see Gabby. But when you see Gabby, you're not seeing me. You think you are. Bless her. She's an extension of me. I love that you love her, but I'm not getting anything out of it because your focus is on her. So I'm not jealous of my own child, but you know what I mean? It's like, no, I need you and me time, not you and Gabby time, not me and you and Gabby time, not family lunch time. I need us time. And what do you promise in return? I will make myself fucking available. And I will tell you when you're veering too far, as I am doing right now, I will promise that when I feel like things are slipping, I will not let them. But I can't plan on behalf of both of us. This is it. 82% grace? This is my 82% grace. What about you, Rhea? What about me what? Let's flip the question and uh, bring this to a close. I'll give an example. Marie has two kids, has a very busy schedule. I remember once we had this conversation, and she probably won't remember it. I had mentioned I love Lebanese food. It's my favorite food. I love going to eat meza. And she was like, oh, there's a safa day by my house. That's what we'll do. Because mm. she knew that I would probably drive over to her neck of the woods. Yeah. But she still made sure... Maybe not geographically meeting me halfway, but making sure like a detail in that gathering would make me happy. And it would be purely because Rhea wants to do that. And so even in the accommodation saying like, oh, I see you, we're also going to do that. Like creating pockets that, as you mentioned, is pockets in terms of time, but also in the quality of the activity. And in return, what I promise to do is to see you as you. Mm -hmm. And to accommodate, but also to hold you accountable as well. So accommodate and accountability. Yes, exactly. Don't empathize me to failure. And also, I think this is also a promise that I make to myself. I will try as much as possible whenever that thought enters my mind where I am not as important to shut that off and also to recognize that voice or the reactions that come because of an insecurity and not because of actual what's going on. And I think mm. a lot of times in relationships and not just friendships, but also in like spouses and parent, child and siblings, a lot of times our reactions and our violent reactions come from an inner insecurity. Not from the real situation. Exactly. And so maybe we can think of being compassionate to other people's and empathetic with ourselves. And I think that's maybe the balance that we need to think about. Oh my God, I love it. Hallmark moment right there. It was a good one though. Very good one. I'm not complaining. So yeah, and also I would like to say for any friends that I did drop the ball with, I'm sorry. Yeah, you didn't know any better. I wouldn't have. And to you, I say thank you for our friendship because it allowed me to realize that. Cool. All right, guys. Awesome. With that, we hope that you take the time today to reach out to a friend who, whether it's because they 
you know, became a parent or went through some other life-changing experience who you haven't been able to connect with in the same ways and that you make a pocket for each other. You can find us as always on Instagram on uh, Who Run The World Pod and you can email us on say hi at whorunttheworldpodcast.com and with that, we look forward to seeing you all next week.